Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by one of GIA's newest mass settings, Mass of the Son of Justice, or Misa Sol de Justicia. A versatile mass setting for use throughout the liturgical year, Mass of the Son of Justice, or Misa Sol de Justicia, is fully bilingual, singable entirely in Spanish or in English, or any pastoral combination of both languages. At its core, this setting is built on assembly-minded melodies. Much of the choral writing is two-part, albeit spelled out in four voices, whereby the basses frequently double the soprano melody, and the alto and tenor lines essentially share a single harmony in the respective ranges, splitting only at cadence points for a fuller effect. Optional descants and divisi further expand the voicing possibilities. The additional in instrumentation is particularly spirited, further enhancing the sung text for solemn occasions. Son of Justice is a term used to reference Christ with respect to his second coming, as found in the ancient O antiphons. This title appears in the lectionary among the Alleluia options for the common of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and is in fact assigned to the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, celebrated within the Advent season. As such, the music is Advent-like in nature, joyful and filled with hope. And with that, I'm excited to welcome on today's guest. He is music teacher at St. Mark's School in Venice, California, and he is a new colleague of mine. He has recently joined the staff here at GIA and the Associate Editor for Spanish and Bilingual Resources, Julio de Leon. Julio, thank you so much for taking time to meet with me today. It's uh, great to have you on the show, especially for Hispanic Heritage Month here. Uh, so super excited. Uh, how are things going with you? Thank you, Tony. I am beyond excited too to have been invited to this uh, podcast and to have the wonderful opportunity, as you said, during Hispanic Heritage Month to speak to our listeners and to just share a little bit about me and the work that I've been doing, um, you know, throughout the years in ministry. I'm doing fine. I'm in the middle of a teaching day, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's wonderful to meet with you and to have this space to share. Definitely. We appreciate you being so flexible and we promise we won't keep you too long for sure. <laughs> so we'll jump right into it. <laughs> First question I got, just kind of a, you know, a little bit of question about your background, get to know you better. Uh, you know, can you just tell us a little bit about your roots and upbringing, kind of how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, I was born and raised in El Salvador. That's a country in Central America. I grew up in a Catholic family. I attended a Catholic school too since kindergarten all the way up to high school. The way a lot of institutions are designed in El Salvador, mm -hmm. um, especially if they're Catholic, you know, they offer um, elementary, middle school, and uh, high school education all in one campus. So that was the case for my school. I attended the same school all throughout those years, um, fully Catholic. And, you know, as a child, I also became an altar server at the age of seven. Mm -hmm. uh, and I stayed in that ministry for a total of 10 years. Later in life, uh, as a young person, I started to get involved with youth groups. Uh, I learned to play some musical instruments, among them the guitar, uh, singing. And my first mass in a liturgical context that I play, I believe, was at the age of 16. And it was a, I remember it was a choir um made up of some classmates from the same school. And our director was actually a Franciscan nun. 
Um, the school that I attended yeah. was, um, you know, very uh, Franciscan. It was completely uh, run by nuns and the priests in my parish as well. And they were also Franciscan. So I have that, you know, strong Franciscan um, identity with me since I was really young. Um, and, you know, eventually about a year later, after I got involved with the liturgical youth choir, um, our choir director, uh, this um, nun, her name is uh, Gabriela, uh, you know, Sister Gabriela, she was transferred. She was mm -hmm. transferred to another place, actually outside of the country, to Guatemala. And I remember that I had to take on the role to be the music director now for the choir. Um, so that was a, a bit of a challenge, but also exciting, you know, very young at the age of 17 to start directing a youth choir. Um, so that was a wonderful blessing opportunity. And, you know, again, um, being in this Catholic environment in my schools, we, we also had uh, retreats. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the ways that I, that's one of the ways that I got to encounter Jesus and God through something called the charismatic movement. Um, and that's a very vibrant, uh, group, especially among Hispanics in Latin America and here in the U S as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had my first retreat at the age of 12 and that's how a process of conversion and metanoia began for me uh, at a very young age at, at 12. Um, I eventually became involved with that youth group, uh, playing also with, with their music ministry as a timba player, percussionist. Um, we had many, you know, uh, events, retreats, and, and, and it was just a fun time to share music and faith uh, as a young person. Um, and just to kind of close, uh, you know, this, uh, the answer to your question, um, I want to also mention that in regards to music, my upbringing and my roots um, are based on the oral tradition. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned to play musical instruments by ear. And I was oh, wow. taught by friends and uncles and free classes, you know, and, and things like that. Yeah. So everything that I observed through music and that I learned at that age was just by ear, not, you know, w within the written um, musical right. standards of Western music. So that was my upbringing, which I think um, added a lot of value and and and, and really, um, you know, has enhanced. I would say my musical expression. Um, Definitely having that, you know, having that side of uh, understanding music, not by the notes on a page, but you know, trying to um, uh, basically what, like trying to. Uh, like feel the music uh, if you could exactly yeah, kind of feel yeah. the music right yeah feel the music and of course you know there were some elements of musical theory with it mm -hmm. i mean we i knew you know about chord progressions and minor major keys things like that um, but most of it was just by ear wow so that's that's how i got into music yeah yeah how uh when did you come over from el salvador um, I came to the U.S. in 2006. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so you you've been mm -hmm. yeah been here a while for sure. Awesome, so very cool. That's you know just super interesting to hear uh, for sure. Being you know just hearing and being able to kind of you know learn that music. That's impressive, definitely. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned before, when we introduce you, you're of course uh, you recently joined our staff here at GIA. We're, we're very glad to have you. So can you just talk a little bit about uh, process of you know how you came to join our staff and just what it's been like, you know, working closely with Peter Kolar so far. 
Yeah. So first of all, I want to say that working with GIA for me has been a blessing and, and a gift from God, you know, to continue uh, doing his work through a different lens of ministry, not, you know, not as I have um, so far, you know, in, in terms of education or uh, very pastorally involved with a community, but now from the perspective of an editorial uh, company mm -hmm. like GIA. So for me, it's truly a blessing to be part of the team. Um, I've come to know Peter, uh, actually not for too long. Uh, so quite recently through the world of social media yeah, <laughs> and, right. and connections at various events and conferences that we have, you know, seen each other and played together. Um, we actually just returned about two weeks ago from a conference um, called uh, ANFE, which is an association for Hispanic uh, music ministers of the East side of the country. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, you know, that was a very um, uh, nice event, you know, uh, where I got to interact with uh, pastoral musicians from the East, uh, Hispanics, of course, and, and, you know, got to know Peter a little more, work closely with him and understand, you know, GIA's, uh, GIA's products, um, in Spanish and bilingual and, 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 and all of that. So it's so far, it's been a great blessing and I'm super excited to see Definitely. where it's going to continue. Nice introduction going to the conference like that, being out on the road, seeing things firsthand. Next question, kind of go right off that. Can you give us a sneak peek? You don't have to uh, spill too many beans if you don't like to, but of some of the projects <laughs> that you'll be working on. Yeah. We have, with Peter, uh, working, we have been working on a collection of songs called El Rosario Musicalizado, which is setting music to the rosary. Um, and this is, yeah, this is by composer um, Rafael Moreno. So right. we've been busy with Peter uh, putting all, all the songs toge together, transcribing some of the music, uh, finalizing some, some details here and there in the engraving process of it. Um, so that's been a project that we are um, kind of finalizing as of now. And and like I mentioned to you, I'm excited to continue um, being present at these uh, conferences, outreach events, and formation programs. Um, as an educator myself, I really feel the call and the need to continue um, serving the people of God, maybe not with children, as I am here at St. Mark. I mean, that's wonderful to teach children. It, it, it's such a blessing too. Right. Um, but also with, with adults, you know, with, and, and I had an opportunity to do that at the Anfe conference, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this um, uh, past few weeks, um, I was able to teach a few workshops on reading music and, you know, having like a very easy to understand approach to learn to read music notation. You know, I'm not the only Hispanic who learned to play music by ear. There are many <laughs> that continue to serve in our communities who, who are not musically literate. And that's not to say, you know, that that makes you less or anything. I think on the other hand, it really enhances your experience of music and your understanding of it because you're capable of doing other things um, by ear. Right. So, yeah, so I had that, you know, opportunity to to engage with the community uh, firsthand. So I'm looking forward to many of more, you know, more of those opportunities as we continue our work with GIA. Definitely. 
next question, I, I was uh, very curious to ask you this one. I know these past couple of years have been difficult for teachers in general uh, with the pandemic and everything, but I can't even imagine, you know, a music teacher at that with, mm. you know, the, the rules of restrictions and stuff like that. So what was it like these past couple of years as a music teacher during the pandemic? It was definitely challenging. It was just, you know, a matter of finding, engaging ways uh, to keep the, the students involved, you know, with music. And, and I think out of all the other subjects, music it, itself, you know, the beauty of the art of making music and creating music is interesting to kids. You know, they, they come with a willing spirit to learn and to participate in class. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now that we have in, uh, lessons in person, but given that it was virtual, uh, it was a bit of a challenge. Like I said, part of the, uh, you know, the difficulties was to keep the students engaged uh, through on, throughout my lesson um, on Zoom. You know, being able to have some um, interaction with the class as a whole, mm -hmm. especially for music, it's not the same to sing together in a room and right. to hear each other and to kind of like have that mutual feedback of how we're singing, how we're playing together and how it sounds and to shape the sounds of, you know, uh, the orchestra or a choir or a singing group. Um, we had a lot of challenge, uh, you know, uh, challenges uh, in that regard on Zoom. Uh, we were, you know, limited in many ways. But again, I, you know, I made my best effort to keep, uh, still keep the music lessons engage, engaging for our students um, with a lot of visuals, Mm -hmm. uh, videos and that also allowed the opportunity for me to hear them one-on-one -on -one, especially with the choir that I was working on obviously we couldn't all unmute ourselves on zoom and expect to sing <laughs> <laughs> in time right that was totally uh, out of the picture um, but it gave me an opportunity to hear some of these students on their own and to give them feedback and to you know I would say um Another aspect is that um, doing virtual teaching and learning, you have to be accountable for your own learning. Mm -hmm. So that gave the students an opportunity to kind of hold themselves accountable. I know it was a difficult time. I know it was really stressful for so many of us, including educators, but that was an opportunity to grow, you know, yeah. for students to, to be responsible and to um, make sure that they were also um, asking questions if they, you know, had any questions about music class or whatnot. Definitely what you said there, <clears throat> just kind of a struggle to kind of keep the students engaged, you know, uh, virtually, I, I get that. I was curious to see just from, you know, the music teacher perspective, I have a couple of close friends who are uh, PE teachers. So they, they said that was, you know, obviously difficult for them to do as well during the pandemic. Yeah. All right, cool. Of course, we mentioned as well earlier too, it's uh, Hispanic Heritage Month here in the United States. So I'm curious from the perspective of a pastoral musician you know what does hispanic heritage month mean to you in that regard in terms of music again i teach in a catholic school uh, called saint mark in the city of venice we are just a few blocks away from the ocean which is nice yeah um so you know the way i shape my shape my lessons for hispanic heritage month is i introduce some of the greatest um influences in Latin American music. Just to mention a few names, uh, you know, that come to mind right now, uh, Selena Quintanilla, uh, uh, Carlos Santana, who is also, you know, uh, American and, and has a, like a crossover with 
of rock and, and, and Latin music. Um, but we, we have like a short um, 10 to 15 minutes uh, where we see a video of one of those musicians performing. We talk about their history, their upbringing in terms of music and, and what they contributed to the uh, musical heritage of uh, Latin America. So that's a way that I try to incorporate a little bit of flavor of Latin America in my lessons with my students, especially with the upper grades, with middle school. Another interesting thing that we have been doing here at St. Mark is that the religion teacher is also showcasing some of the saints from Latin America um, that may not be uh, well known to our students or to our you know, American community. Mm -hmm. um, so she's been doing that in her classes. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I want, want to mention about that is that um, one of the saints that she has been, you know, teaching our students about, and we see a picture of him here in one of our bulletin boards on campus, is a saint um, named Father Cosme Espesoto. And this is a bit of a long story, but Father Cosme Espesoto is a saint from El Salvador. Mm -hmm. He was a martyr from El Salvador. He died in 1980. He was recently canonized just this year in January. He was canonized in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. um, and I had the tremendous blessing and honor to write a song that was featured at the uh, canonization liturgy wow. for Father Cosme. Because of my Salvadorian yeah. background and what's even more special, and, and, I, and I'm like, I can't believe that, you know, uh, God has been so good and he has given me and my family the blessing to have lived in the city that this saint lived. Yeah. So we are we are basically from the same uh, city, San Juan Nualco, where this person, Father Cosme, he ministered there for over 30 years of his life. Um, and my parents met him in person. They received the sacrament of matrimony from Father Cosme, my older sister, she also was baptized by him. And I didn't meet him because of generations, obviously. But I, I like to say that I was touched and also a recipient of his material and spiritual legacy. Because the church that I attended as a child and that I served in as an altar server is a church that he built from scratch in our community. So he built the church. He uh, established and founded the Catholic school that I also attended. So I have, you know, received also a lot of those uh, blessings because of the ministerial work of Father Cosme. And, and having been asked to, to write this song in his honor, you know, honoring his life and his legacy, it, it's truly an honor. So very special. I'm, I'm super special. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool to hear. All right. Same thing on Hispanic Heritage Month. Do you have any special traditions to you during this month? Um, I would say it's sometimes a, a bit difficult because saying the word Hispanic and Latinos, I mean, we are a very um, diverse community, right? It's right, a collection of right. so many countries. And even within our own countries, we have different areas and different traditions within those parts mm -hmm. of the country. I know that we celebrate our, our independence on September 15, and that marks the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month here in the U.S. You know, but for me, I would say it, it's like a year-long celebration yeah. of our heritage, you know, through the music, through the food, through the culture, 
uh, and in a pastoral setting, of course, you know, um, playing mass, uh, masses and, and, and other liturgical events with the Hispanic community. It's a nice way uh, to still remain connected to my, to my roots uh, and to my language, which, which is Spanish. Um, something I, I didn't mention is that, you know, when I emigrated to, from El Salvador to here in 2006, I had to learn right. the language from scratch. So I didn't even know how to put together one single sentence in, in, in English. Mm -hmm. So that was a process, you know, a process of learning. Um, also, the process of learning music um, was also very challenging. But I had a really great music teacher um, in high school that uh, encouraged me. And he inspired me more than anything. I would say that he was a great inspiration, something that kind of led me to become a music teacher myself. I found a lot of great inspiration in him. And, um, but all in all, I, I also want to mention that it was through God's um, providence, you know, that we have been on this journey of, um, yes, some difficulties and, and, and some struggles along the way, especially in my, my first few years here, here in the U.S., um, coming alone and without my immediate family, my parents had to stay back and I decided to come here by myself. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a difficult transition, uh, but nonetheless, I remain rooted to my faith. Uh, my first week that I came, I looked for a parish, and I started attending that parish. Um, I joined an adult prayer group. I was very young. I was still 17. Mm -hmm. um, but that parish did not have a youth group, so I decided to, to join the adult prayer group in the Hispanic community. And, you know, being there, I found a lot of hope and warmth from the community and it's been a, a journey of learning like I said but also developing your faith and being reassured that God is with you you know literally how it says in the Bible he's going to be there with you all the days yeah no matter what so that's yeah. excellent excellent story for sure an inspiring story as well very cool great so uh we'll get you uh we'll do a couple uh, casual type of questions here and then we'll get you back to class there <laughs> so all right <laughs> next one i got for you this is the we call it the pick one segment so in this segment i'll give you a choice of two things out of those two things you pick your favorite of the two and give me a brief explanation as to why you chose that as your favorite all right first one pepsi or coke pepsi pepsi okay i don't know why i just <laughs> Love the flavor of Pepsi. That's, it's not yeah. as strong as Coke. It's a little sweeter. Uh, it's that's right. It's a little yeah. sweeter and a little lighter. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I agree. I just just love Pepsi. <laughs> All right, steak tacos or tacos al pastor? Ooh, al pastor. Al pastor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. al pastor with uh, with the pineapple pieces. That's Ooh. the best. Okay. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Dogs or cats? Definitely dogs. I mean, I love all, all animals. You know, right. they're they're great and beautiful part of God's creation. But I'm a, I'm I'm a dog person myself. We have a, a pet uh, named Coco um, with my wife. You know, who's also been part of this whole journey of faith. I didn't really have a place uh, in our conversation to speak about her, but uh, she's also Leslie has been a great support in my journey of faith. And I couldn't, I wouldn't be here if it was not for her. Uh, love and support and and yeah we do have a, a pet uh, a, a dog so definitely a dog person what kind of dog is coco it's a multi poo oh okay yeah he's yeah. two years old 
super cute. Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you there. I'm a big dog person as well. Uh, next one, iPhone or Android? iPhone. I iPhone. think it's just way more practical. It's more reliable in many ways. You know, you can connect with all your devices and right. sync things and I, I would agree iPhone. with you there. I think obviously the majority of people are iPhone people, but the Android users are very loyal to, to Android. And mm-hmm. they, they'll, you know. <laughs> All right. Last one, a California kind of theme question where you live uh, in Venice, um, not too far from LA. LA Dodgers or LA Angels? Uh, Dodgers. Yeah. I, would say. I was going to say, yeah, yeah Dodgers. Definitely. It's hard to argue with the success that they've had the last few years for sure. <laughs> Okay. Yes. All right. So one last question. We'll get you out of here. Appreciate you again taking the time to join me between your your teaching periods there. So uh last one, just a casual question. What are your hobbies that you like to do when you're, you know, have some free time away from the classroom? I love to draw. Um okay. I yeah, I highly consider, you know, becoming an art major um or designer for that matter. Um, yeah, I really loved doing that when I was in high school. I took some APR classes, which I enjoy re- very much. So yeah, that's what I enjoy. Whenever I do have some free time, hmm. I love um, you know sketching some some things uh, on paper with yeah with some art materials. Awesome. All right, yeah. we are done. Thank you again, Julio. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I, I had a blast. Thanks, this was fun. Yeah, you. Um... Me too. You have a good rest of the day, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in touch. Talk to you soon. I yeah, appreciate it, man. Great meeting you. You too, Thanks, buddy. Sonny. Take care. Anytime. Bye-bye. We hope you all enjoyed that interview with Julio de Leon, GI's Associate Editor for Spanish and Bilingual Resources, and also music teacher at St. Mark's School in Venice, California. I want to again wish a happy Hispanic Heritage Month to all who are observing. Thank you for tuning in to episode 22 of Encore. We'll be back in a couple weeks to preview one of G.I.'s newest hymn collections, Songs of Justice, Peace, and Love, the Sharon Hymnal by Christopher L. Weber. As always, stay up to date on G.I.'s social media channels and soundboard.giamusic.com. Until next time, take care, everyone.